World of Blazing brings you a podcast based on truth, spoken boldly. Join the man on fire, John Sublon, as he takes on issues of faith and culture, always faithful, always real. This is True Faith, Real Talk, and now, the man on fire, John Sublon. Welcome to another episode of True Faith, Real Talk. I'm your host, the man on fire, John Sublon of johnsublon.com. And I'd like to welcome you back to another episode. I am grateful today because I get a welcome back, uh, somebody who I consider a friend and a brother now, but I actually met through one of his first productions, uh, Journey Through Scripture. Um, My guest today is a Catholic speaker, author, film producer. Um, He's, you know, he's a husband and a father, first and foremost, a father of six. So praise be to God for him uh, raising a big Catholic family because the world, I mean, the Lord knows we need help in this world. Um, so I just want to welcome to the show uh, a brother of mine, uh, Matthew Leonard. Hey, Matthew. John, great to be with you, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks be to God. Yeah, praise be to God. I am um, grateful again to have you on the show. Um, as always, uh, we try to start on the show on True Faith Real Talk with any type of conversion or reversion story. Uh, a lot of my listeners and viewers know about my, uh, my wayward walk and how I am a prodigal son. And praise be to God for uh, our Catholic Church and for, uh, and for the faith. So I really like to start off um, as we kind of dive into who Matthew Leonard is, 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 is that conversion? Because you weren't always Catholic, correct? <laughs> no, no, it seems like an eternity ago, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly Catholic now. I, I was actually raised uh, in a very strong Protestant family. In fact, my dad was a pastor and still is a pastor. And uh, so I'm the youngest of five kids as a pastor's kid, which in the Protestant world is kind of a euphemism uh, for a rebel. Uh, and uh, my, I think my rebellion was I became Catholic. But I was a very strong, great Christian upbringing. You know, I, I, I learned sacred scripture. I, I learned to pray and develop a relationship with our Lord. And, and in lots of different ways, it was, it was just a great way to grow up. But the interesting thing is, is that... Um, First, my dad was a Methodist pastor, and then he became a Pentecostal pastor. Hmm. And if you know anything about these worlds, these are polar opposites. And uh, it, it, it didn't shake me. It didn't really uh, mess with me at all because I was young enough to not really think about these kinds of things, John. But uh, as time goes by, and we moved then to a, a charismatic church, and my parents put me into a Calvinist high school, and then I went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, and then I went. I graduated from a Swedish Covenant University in Chicago, and I was a member of umpteen different Protestant denominations at some point or another. And then finally, one night, uh, I, I'd met one Catholic family in the Calvinist high school of all places, hmm. and and I didn't meet Catholics. Like Catholics were, they just weren't part of my world. I knew that you guys existed somewhere, but I, this wasn't part of my, my vernacular. I didn't know you at all. Mm-hmm. And, the, and anyone I did was just from a distance, and it was, you know, because they had a you know, beer in their hand or something. <laughs> I, oh, that guy must be Catholic, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I remember this Catholic family that I met, they were super Catholic, Irish Catholic, you know, I mean, just like the, the quintessential Catholic family. And... There was my real introduction to Catholicism, and the mother of that family, uh, through just relationship, slowly began to kind of draw me in to the faith. And at first, I fought, I fought, I argued, and I knew the Bible better than her kids did, and so we'd argue, and, and I'd always win those arguments. But they started planting seeds uh, of things that later would kind of bloom in my life, and finally, one day, I just realized, holy Toledo, like, 
how in the world am I supposed to believe that the Bible is the only authority, which is the one thing that's drilled into your head, you know, as a good Protestant kid? How am I supposed to believe that the Bible is the only authority when all these different denominations I was a part of, they all teach different things about the same book? Mm-hmm. Right? And it was kind of a light bulb moment for me. I discovered the principle of non-contradiction one night in a coffee shop in Wheaton, Illinois. You know, something cannot be and not be at the same time in the same respect. And I was like, man, uh, something's wrong here. And that was really the big impetus for me to, to start my move to the church. So was that more of it? Was that an internal awakening then for you, Matt? There was there something specific in your interaction with that, that Catholic family in the defense or argument of your own stance in the Protestant faith? Uh, what, what was that like? Because, you know, we hear a lot about that. And, and I, you know, you're one of the people that I would say when I, when I look at people who are intellectually and spiritually honest and humble, they end up becoming Catholic, right? But those who kind of hang on, you know, with, with, with tooth and nail uh, to, to their faith because of whatever, right? Because of family relationships, because of maybe um, it's their livelihood. I mean, I think about a lot of, of uh, yeah. Protestants who are making, you know, they're living, they're feeding their family off of that. And so to make that decision uh, means that you're putting your, your family uh, in a situation. But was, there, was that an internal awakening? Was that internal struggle? Was it a little bit of both? Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, it was certainly both. Um, I mean, be, growing up in this strong family that, where many of my brothers and sisters just, you know, we love the Lord and we were in church all the time. So I go to daily mass now. It's just a part of our, our life, right? And thanks be to God, I live in a place where it's available to me. But I was in church quite a bit, even as a Protestant. So you'd have Sunday morning and Sunday night services. You'd have Wednesday night. You'd have Thursday night dinners. And then the weekends were your youth groups, you know. And so it wasn't, it was very much part of my culture Mm. to be Protestant. And so when you talk about how people hang on, you know, tooth and nail, you're clinging by your fingernails to your faith, and and conversion is difficult for a lot of people, that's because conversion is always a process, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All of us have what, what uh, John Henry Newman calls antecedent considerations in our lives. The baggage that we have left over from all of our life experience that God in his providence works through over time and helps us to kind of unpack those things so that we can more, more fully receive that grace in the humility that you mentioned, because that's a key, mm-hmm. right? Being humble in the face of the truth is the key. And so it's an internal and external thing because you, when you have this internal struggle, what happens is your life has to change in a different way, right? You have to maybe start looking at things differently and you start to approach issues and things differently. And what's always funny to me is when you find a guy who's going through conversion process, one of the telltale signs is they're arguing with the Catholics when they're with the Catholics and then with the, with the, the Protestants, all of a sudden they're arguing the Catholic side and you can see this kind of struggle that happens. That's exactly what happened to me. I started playing both sides mm. for quite a while because I was struggling and it's a, it's a, it's a process that everyone goes through that happens differently, even though there are telltale markers. And, and one of the first things that happened to me when I had this initial awakening, John, my dad has a PhD in the canon of sacred scripture, and he is a smart cookie. And, and after I just kind of had this light bulb moment, I went back to him and I said, listen, dad, why is it that Catholic Bibles have more books than ours? Like, what's the story there? And I think if I would have gotten solid answers at that point, I would have stopped, mm. right? but there aren't solid answers mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. and and he couldn't stop the questions, and so one question always leads to another, which leads to another, and eventually, you, you just kind of slide down this slippery slope where you just can't 
not become Catholic, mm-hmm. you know? So it was very much an internal struggle and, and it affected a lot of relationships in my life. I am out of contact now with a lot of people that I used to have very tight relationships with. It was difficult for my family. It was difficult for everybody involved, including myself. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's, let's talk about that just for a little bit, because I think, you know, whenever I talk to uh, a convert to the faith, my wife's a convert to the faith. Um, I would say I'm probably a convert to the faith because I never practiced. I never was really formed well. Um, so reversion seems just like a, like I'm, I'm not necessarily uh, that case because I never was really into my faith. But whenever I speak to a, a convert who who is really about their their own, at least their faith at what at whatever point that is in their life, um, it you want to I want to at least bring out um, where you're comfortable that that process, because it's um, I imagine that it's very difficult. Like uh, one of the first men's conferences that our apostle threw, uh, we brought out Deacon Alex Jones, right? The, uh, you know, God rest his soul. And, you know, he, we had a discussion um, offline, not in the conference, but just that, that dialogue about what, what was it like? And, you know, just the, the heartache you can see in him for the relationships and friendships lost because of his decision to become Catholic. And ultimately to, to cling to Christ, right? I mean, that's the point is that you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose a lot of things. And that's the whole point of denying oneself, picking up a cross and following Christ. But what, you know, you, you say that was, so was that a point, did you convert when you were already married um, or was that prior to being married? Yeah, it was before I got married. Okay. And so I had not yet met my wife. In fact, I didn't meet her until a year after I'd become Catholic. Okay. And uh, I'd just come off the mission field of Mexico, as a matter of fact. I'd, I'd been down there for 14 months, basically, uh, who weren't really practicing their faith. And I was with a Protestant organization that was kind of a high church Protestant organization. So it was interesting because our liturgy really mimicked, in a lot of ways, a Catholic mass, even though obviously we, there was no validors, no priests, you know, none of that. But it was similar enough to a mass that it kind of attracted a lot of the people that we worked with. And and so I, when I came home from the mission field, uh, I had so many questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought, okay, I need to get these questions answered. And so I ended up going to Franciscan University of Steubenville just to go through RCIA. And my mom, interestingly enough, who was kind of this closet Catholic. And <laughs> my parents were kind of a, attending a high church it was a it was an Anglican or Episcopalian. I remember they broke off from their denomination because the denomination got too liberal, and they brought in an African bishop, and they oh, were yeah. really conservative. And it was just like a Catholic mass. I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I knew the liturgy even before I became Catholic. But my mom had, was really kind of moving in this direction, and she said, "Matt, you should go to to Steubenville and get your questions answered." So I moved to Steubenville just to go through RCIA. Oh, wow! And uh, so they were supportive. Was was both mom and dad? My supportive? mom was. Okay. My mom, my dad, not so much. And, you know, relations with him kind of devolved as time went by uh, because uh, I think he took the conversion harder than just about anybody else. Because when you're the dad, you know, it's like your your child is turning their back on the family, especially when he's a pastor, you know. And so it was just doubly hard for him. And as the the Lenten season went on and I was moving toward the vigil and I still hadn't even made up my mind yet but things just got more and more tense between us to the point where we weren't even speaking mm. and uh, the beautiful thing is John I, I remember that um, I I had a, a boss I had a student job 
And I had this boss who came up to me and he said, or he said, Matt, uh, would you cover my holy hour for me? And I didn't even know what a holy hour was, man. <laughs> I said, sure, I'll do that. And he goes, well, it's t- I said, what time? He said, two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, who prays at two o'clock in the morning, you know? So I already said yes. So I go into this adoration chapel, downtown Steubenville, same church I ended up getting married in later. And, uh, and I had this encounter with Our Lady. And she was by far the biggest problem in my move toward Catholicism because she's just so different from how it is I'm raised. And I knew I had to deal with her. She was like this hanging chad in my life. And so I said, all right, Mary, here's your chance. You know, you get, here's your shot. I'm going to be like Gideon. I'm going to throw my fleece out here. If you are who the church says you are, I want you to do something for me. I want reconciliation with my dad because he's not speaking with me. Oh, wow. So I prayed a rosary right then and there. Barely even knew how to do it. And I was terrified I was going to die for doing it. <laughs> and that was at 2 o'clock in the morning. And at 2 p.m. that same day, a letter arrived from my dad asking for reconciliation and forgiveness. No way. And yeah, yeah, way. Wow. And so I was like, all right, you know, uh, that that's one check mark off. And I was like, Mary, you're now my mother, you know. <laughs> my mom was home dying of cancer at the same time. And there were all kinds of internal struggles. So family life and family relationships are very difficult. And I would I would say this to people who are listening who who are struggling through those very things right now. The Lord knows exactly what the struggles are. Mm-hmm. He he is fully aware and his grace is always sufficient. And what you have to do is just resign yourself to the fact that there are going to be difficulties when you follow the truth wherever it leads. But that there's always hope for restoration and healing. And and I have a, a beautiful relationship with my father now and my brothers and sisters who uh some of them got up and when the Easter Vigil liturgy was over, they had come just out of love for me. They left. They were supposed to spend the night. They got back in the car at midnight and left for Chicago because they just couldn't stand to be there anymore. And so it was really hard for them. And yet relationships have been restored. It's not the same because we don't share that same foundation, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, most of it's the same, but we're very different, right? As Catholics, you know? Uh, so it's different. And yet now there's a level of respect because they realize that this is something that's real in my life. It's made a massive difference in my life. And they see what the sacramental grace is actually capable of. And there's some intrigue there. And I still pray for the conversion of my family, not because I'm right and they're wrong, but because I want them to experience everything that you and I experience now all the time, which is the pearl of great price in the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's that's so true, because I, th- I think that's that's part of the struggle, is you can't share the most intimate part of you, even that we know they're both Christ-centered, but, you know, there's just a deeper, more profound meaning. I mean, we have the fullness of faith, and I think that's, I mean, you want to give that to everybody that you love, and uh, really totally. everybody, right? I mean, and I, so, um, you know, I commend you for that, and hopefully the listeners out there that may be going through the same struggle. My wife and I, um, we coordinated RCIA at our parish for three years, and, you know, you'd always find those instances where people were going against the grain, going against their family, um, all for the, you know, pursuit of truth, and, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ, but just within the Catholic Church, and, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I myself um, experienced that, uh, you know, uh, in my own family life, Um, my mom being the only one that's a practicing Catholic, and um, I've got four siblings that are here on earth, and so, you know, we just, we live different lives, and it's difficult because I've got, you know, 12 nieces and nephews and it's difficult to have a relationship when we just live different lives right right Um, and you live according to 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 the church and to god and to what christ has called us to as disciples um and i am it's fortunate like my wife she's a convert and her 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 brother and his whole family so she's got one sibling they all came into the church so it's beautiful for her to be able to experience that through through her witness you know really 
and um, to be able to see her brother, and even these, you know, non-denominational at best on, on their side. So it's, it's very beautiful. So I'm glad, thank you for being vulnerable and opening up your heart um, there. And, you know, if it's pretty cool that you got to go get your questions answered at Franciscan University, right? When we have got... <laughs> it's such a great place, uh, man. Right? If you're going to get, if there's any place to do it, you know, fortunate, obviously, uh, my oldest son graduated. My younger son's there now. Um, and, uh, you know, we always call it Catholic Disneyland. So if there's a place to get your questions answered... <laughs> That's probably it. Franciscan of <laughs> University of Superville is a good place. Now, you also spent 10 years as the executive director for uh, St. Paul's Biblical Center, right, with uh, with your good buddy, Dr. Scott Hahn there, correct? That's right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's where I kind of cut my teeth on the whole. I, I never, you know, people ask me this all the time, like, how did you get into this? Why, how'd you get into Catholic speaking and, yeah. and all the, you know, the filmmaking and all the rest of that kind of stuff? This is not what I had planned for my life at all. I never wanted to even be a Protestant pastor, you know, and uh, I, it just was not something that I desired to do. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with my life. I thought I was going to go into politics, to be honest. And mm -hmm. thanks be to God, that didn't happen, you know. But uh, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. And so, yeah, I, I spent uh, I spent a decade at the St. Paul Center and uh, just really kind of found my calling uh, with regard to filmmaking and speaking and, and writing. And thanks be to God, it's been great. Yeah, so that's a uh, just a message to the viewers out there, because I, I can definitely attest to what, what Matt's saying is, yeah, you know, once you commit your life to God and you surrender, especially as a Catholic, it's like, just just buckle up, because you don't know where <laughs> the Lord's going to take you. Um, and, and that's, there's, there, there's a, I, there's a beauty to that, right? I think there's, I think God allows us to see just enough to put one foot in front of the other. Um, because if we saw two miles down the road, we'd be like, nope, not doing that. Um, so true. Yeah, you know, yep. so it's just, you know, count on God's grace to be able to do that. So the, the, the last part of this, as we kind of uh, wrap up our, our time together, Matt, is really I want to talk about what you're doing today. Um, you know, you've started this, this effort, this initiative. You've gone out on a limb. You've, you're walking with God and it's really to help others walk with God. And so I want to talk about your initiative, your ministry of, of Next Level um, Academy. Next Level Catholic yeah. Academy, right? Sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is, man, you, took, you know, you're, you're the man on fire, the world ablaze. You know, this is what fires me up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's the Catholic spiritual life because, you know, I, I had sacred scripture coming out of my ears as a kid. Obviously, I was dealing with the St. Paul Center, and, and you can learn all kinds of new things, and you're overwhelmed with so many things when you become Catholic. It's like an avalanche of all this new stuff, the church fathers, and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. It always boils down to the interior life. What does this do to me in my relationship with God and others, mm -hmm. right? And the Catholic spiritual tradition is so rich and so deep and goes so far beyond what most Catholics are even aware of. And I really discovered it about 10 years into my Catholicism because I've been Catholic for 21 years now. And uh, I was introduced to, to John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Thomas Aquinas and others in their spiritual tradition. And it blew my doors off because it transformed everything. And I I kind of reconnected with God in a way, as strange as that seemed. Even as a daily communicant, when you when you first enter the church, you're like, all these new things, and I'm going to Mass and all this, and there are parts of my life that kind of just fell off the rails. Like, my prayer life wasn't where it was even when I was a Protestant. And when I made this concerted effort to, no, I need to integrate that back hardcore into my life, everything changed. And when I put it in the paradigm of Catholic spiritual tradition, that's when the the, the shackles came off. Because what I discovered is that we're not meant to just kind of 
tread water as Catholics and go to the sacraments and stay in a state of grace. There's an actual path that is laid out for us to become saints, like literally. And, and the mass and, and the sacraments, all the sacraments together and your prayer life and all those things, those are the vehicle. But there's an actual path that's laid out that, frankly, most Catholics have, have never been exposed to, unfortunately. And uh, that path for the Catholic spiritual life is what they call the three stages of the spiritual life. So the purgative, the illuminative, and unitive ways. And even if people have heard of them, they don't even know what they are. And these are just, the, it's the path that every one of us is supposed to go down. And there are different markers and things that happen in that movement. The virtues come into play. The gifts of the spirit come into play. Your prayer life transitions from meditative into contemplative. And there's all these things that are going on that we're just unaware of for the most part. And frankly, most of this stuff was, was taught to priests back in the, the middle of the 20th century. And then they pulled those books out of the seminaries and they're not taught anymore. Mm -hmm. And when I discovered these big old spiritual manuals, I'm looking around, they're, they're covering, you can't see, but they're covering the floor of my office. <laughs> I just, I fell in love with the, with Catholic spiritual theology. And I thought, this is what it's all about. It's about becoming a saint. And so I founded Next Level Catholic Academy a year ago almost to the day of what we're recording. Mm -hmm. And uh, it basically, it, it consists of, at present, there are probably about 70 lessons, video lessons up there with meditations and saint quotes and, and uh, Lectio Divina passages that are really designed to walk a Catholic step by step. What do the spiritual giants of the church say you have to do in order to become a saint? Mm -hmm. And I go through all the ins and outs of grace, uh, what your prayer life is supposed to do, how the virtues work with the gifts, and all these things are broken into the three stages. So it's really this just one flowing thing. And thanks be to God, the Lord has really blessed it. And uh, I, I get to do this as my full-time gig, which is crazy. I never thought I'd be able to do this. And I'm, I'm having a ball. It's a ton of work. <laughs> but I, I'm just set on fire by this stuff. And I want to share this stuff that the Lord has been doing in my own life and what I see happening with others with, with the entire church. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, praise be to God for that. Because I think we were, I can't remember when we, um, when we were visiting, but it, I, it was right around the same time. I was, I was here, you're launching out, you're heading, heading out of your world there at St. Paul's Biblical Center, going and launching to Next Level Catholic Academy. Um, but you mentioned, you know, this, this interior change, specifically, uh, how does this change you for God and for, for neighbor? And I think, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, when Jesus was asked about which was the greatest commandment, and he talks about to love God and to love neighbor. And um, a, a lot of Catholics, I mean, during this time and age, let's, let's not kid ourselves, uh, both as a culture and as a church, we're going through tremendous suffering, tremendous times of confusion. Um, it really does feel like the end times in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think about just remembering your death, right? Memento Mori. And I think about preparing for the last breath that you take because tomorrow's never promised. And that we're all called to sainthood, that there are only saints in heaven. And there's, um, you know, what, what great gift that we have with folks like Matthew answering that call because, I mean, we all need that help. I think, to your point, Matt, the, the overwhelming uh, feeling that you get coming in, like you're in love with the church, right? I, I, I tell you, you're in love with God and you're in love with the Holy Mother Church. I'm the same way. I'm on fire. But it's just like, whoa, I've got like 
2000 plus years to get caught up on to understand. And like you said, spiritual giants, you know, you spoke to some of the great ones like St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. Of course, St. Thomas Aquinas, I think of, you know, I'm I'm a third order Dominican life profess. So I think of St. Catherine of Siena, you know, you think about many of the great mystics, great saints, the doctors of the church that are out there. And you just think, man, I don't even have the brain capacity to try to get through this. More or less, do I have the spiritual capacity to take that on? And I think the answer is always a resounding yes, right? The more you fall in love with God, the more that you can um, grow in your knowledge of God. And, and of course, all of the, the many gifts that the saints have given us to, to learn from and grow from. Yeah, and you know what I think the end goal is? It, well, well, let me put it this way. We don't think about the end goal enough. We talk about sainthood like it's some kind of a cliche, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. like the saints are just like aliens that just happen to live among us. But when we talk about how we're called to sainthood, what we're really saying is you and I are called to deification. We're called to divinization, to literally participate in the divine nature of God, mm-hmm. as Second Peter 1, 4 says. Mm-hmm. And when you sit back and you realize what that means— like God shares his very divinity with us. That's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. That's the process that we are in. And, and really, th- that's what so the premier course inside of Next Level Catholic Academy is called the Science of Sainthood. So it's, it's this kind of laying it out, right? And it, I start with this end goal because you, John, are made to be like God in reality. So am I. And so is every other Catholic. And when we move through this life and we're participating in the sacraments and developing our prayer life, that's the end goal. It's not just heaven's this cool place. I want to make sure I'm in a state of grace. And so, you know, I can go hang out in the in the Homer Simpson side of heaven instead of the Marge Simpson side, you know, where they're not having any fun, mm-hmm. like the whole Catholic Protestant thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, we are made to be deified. Mm-hmm. And that is crazy, right? That's the end goal. And when you have that at the forefront of your mind, and remember that our death is really that movement into eternal life, and the whole ramp to that is happening right now because we don't live two lives, like one now and one later, Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be part of that deification process right now, which is what everything in the Catholic spiritual tradition is ordered to, that means we've got to get serious about it. And we have to do it because you're right. There are things going on all over the place. Inside and outside the church, lots of competing forces. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities against principalities. You know, the world rulers of this present darkness are against us. They don't want us to make this move mm-hmm. down the, the spiritual path and be unified with God. They're going to do whatever they can to keep us from it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get seriously intentional about our spiritual lives so that we can become those saints and we can be deified with God and we can be together for all eternity. Yeah, so you've created, obviously, a program that helps walk us through that, right? So. Maybe yeah. you can just elaborate a little bit on that because, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. And, you know, I, I always would caution folks to make sure you're doing your homework on me- making sure they're, they're orthodox and, and, um, Amen. and faithful to the, to the magisterium. And I, I wouldn't have uh, Matthew on here if I didn't think he was. So um, <laughs> can you speak to that? Because I think it's great to be able to have, you know, I think it's just overwhelming. Some people, you and I both meet. In, in the work that we do in evangelization and being out there speaking, whether we're doing retreats or conferences, whatever, how many people are just like, I'm there, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling, but I just need to know where to go from here. Right? I have That's no right. idea what to do. And you know what? I want to be a saint. I, I'm inspired to be a saint, but I don't, I don't even know what that looks like or what that means. And you know, it's, maybe it's a little bit intimidating, right? Because I've got so much to change in my own interior life, more or less my exterior life and some of those relationships or the, of my habits. Um, can you speak to that and how Next Level Catholic Academy is going to help walk with them? Yeah, I made this program for regular Catholics. And so what I've done in the Science of Sainthood, which again is the premier course inside the academy, 
I, I do about 10 minute long videos where I'm taking each part of the, of the spiritual tradition, starting with this whole concept of deification and how it actually happens and where you find it in Augustine and Aquinas and others, and explain what that means and start to move through the whole life of grace and how God actually works in our life, how it all happens. Like, what's the mechanism? Because the, this is the beautiful thing about the Catholic faith. It all fits together. It makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And then we move into the life of prayer and all these other parts of the of the, the spiritual life in a systematic step-by-step -step manner so that you know what to expect and you know exactly what to do and what your prayer life is supposed to look like and how to do these various kinds of prayers. What markers should you look for as you are maturing in the faith? What happened when I start to feel dryness? Oh no, I'm not going to freak out. This is supposed to happen. And so you can figure these things out because it's laid out for us. And so again, I go through it systematically in bite-sized chunks. And there's, you know, there's a, a big community of people in there as well who are talking amongst themselves and walking with each other through these things. Oh, that's great. And, and just as, as kind of an intro, and, and uh, I think it's going to be close to Lent when this, when this uh, episode airs, when you, yeah, it'll, when you post, it, yeah, right? It'll, yeah, it'll be out before Lent, yes. Okay, so what I've done is um, for Lent, I, I'm setting up a free streaming of uh, the first 15 lessons inside the science of sainthood. And this, there's a workbook that goes with it. And I've called this study, I've, I've kind of made it a self-contained study. It's called Catholic Mysticism and the Beautiful Life of Grace. And so you can kind of taste it uh, for free and see what it's like. Because I think that, frankly, once you, once you get a taste and you see what's there, mm -hmm. you're going to want to dive in. And I don't say it because, hey, I, you know, I've spent so much time working on this. So I put a lot of hard work into it and it's professional video and, you know, all the rest of that, right? Mm -hmm. But I say it because this is the stuff of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that not enough of us realize that we're supposed to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That, that grace is really, in a sense, the Holy Spirit imprinting himself upon us. And that's how the deification process takes place. Mm -hmm. So people can go over to nextlevelcatholicacademy.com. They can sign up. Um, if you want to get a workbook, I just came out with this thing, uh, and it, it it has beautiful all kinds of meditations and questions and answers and and uh, or I shouldn't say questions and answers, review and discussion questions and meditations and places to journal and take notes. And I set it up so that you can get the most out of Lent. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stream for free those first 15 lessons during Lent, and you can kind of walk through this and start to experience it because, frankly. This is what Lent's all about. Mm -hmm. right? this, is what the, this is what life is all about. But you need to move into a deeper relationship with our Lord that doesn't end at Easter. It explodes at Easter. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it's the holiest of all holiest seasons for us as Catholics, right? It's, it's at the center of what we're really about. Without this, what's the whole point, right? So, exactly. So to go to, to go to nextlevelcatholicacademy.com so that you can sign up for free. And again, I'm a big fan of Matthew and the work that he's done in, in previous lives with what he's done. The work is always great. Obviously, you can tell that he, he lacks any type of passion for this at all. <laughs> but he, he, he is obviously a son of the church, a son of God. And, um, you know, just that passion, you'll see that come through in not only his presentation, but also in just the, the production quality the work that you've done has been great, Matthew. I've benefited. Thanks, my family's God. benefited from it. So um, I, I am grateful for for your fiat, for your yes and all of this. Um, any last parting words? Uh, you know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about conversion. We talked about the struggle of that in uh, both familial relationships and decisions that you had to make. Um, we also talked about your, your, your journey into really wanting us all to become saints. And that's true charity. 
is that somebody who's willing to um, to put his life on the line, right? No greater love than this, as our Lord tells us, right? That uh, that than to lay down life's lay down one's life for a friend. And I think when you step on, on on you know people need to understand this, right? When you step out onto that level of trust, that plane of trust with our Lord, that I am feel called in the depths of my heart that I've fallen in love with God and I've fallen in love with our faith and I want to give that to the world. And then you go do it. That's a big deal. So, um, you know, grateful for that. But any last parting words you have, brother, on any anything we've talked about or anything otherwise um, for, for the yeah, listeners yeah. out there? Yeah, you know what? I think that you could boil, and, and particularly moving into Lent, I would say if you're going to keep a phrase in mind that kind of sums up everything we've been talking about, it's trustful surrender to divine providence. Mm. What you want in your life is what God wants, because what God wants for us is what's perfect. And that's where we're going to find our ultimate happiness. And the closer you draw to your Lord in prayer and through the sacramental grace that's offered to us through Holy Mother Church, the more his desires are going to become you know, our desires, your desire. And you're going to find that you're always going to get the answer you're looking to, for in prayer because you start to just pray for the things that God wants anyway because you're in such union with him. So trustful surrender to everything that the Lord puts in front of you, knowing that his grace is always sufficient. And this life is a roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. It is a roller coaster. But the Lord is always in control. And you have to trust that he is your merciful father and he will see you through. Amen, brother. Couldn't have said it better myself. So y'all need to go check out Matthew and the work that he's doing at Next Level Catholic Academy. He's doing some stuff for free so you can get a taste of what he's doing. So please go sign up. I'll put that in definitely into the show notes and the links um, below. Um, And just remember that this is the will of God as we hear in First Thessalonians, right? Your sanctification. And Matthew and the work that he's doing in his ministry is trying to lead us to sanctification. So uh, for uh, all those out there, do go check it out. If you're looking for an awesome, solid, orthodox resource, Matthew's got it covered for you. So my brother, um, it's been a pleasure and an honor and great to catch up with you. Um, I'm going to have to get out to uh, out to Stumaville again. Um, obviously, I've got some ties there. Um, but maybe I'm going to have to bring you out to California. I know we're crazy. Um, but, but we need a little, we need a little bit of that, uh, you know, Texan by way of Ohio to come back to California, perhaps, (laughs) but, uh, I would love to do it. Listen, thanks for all you're doing for the kingdom too, John. God bless all of your work and keep at it, brother. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. It takes, you know, the the harvest is plenty and the labors are few. So I'm just, I'm grateful to be, uh, on the, on the ground fighting in the field, um, with guys like you. So God bless you, brother. God bless your family, that amazing big Catholic family, um, love on them. And, um, you know, we'll be praying for you and your ministry and look forward to, uh, connecting again. Thank you. True faith, real talk. Don't forget to like, and subscribe to the show. Continue the conversation online. Visit johnsublon.com. Until next time, get holy or die trying. Godspeed. Godspeed.